Hello, hello, and welcome to Grad Chat by PhD Balance, where we talk about topics of grad school beyond academic research and that may be a bit more difficult to talk about in our day to day. I'm your host, Linda, and I've just finished my master's in food science in Ireland. And for PhD Balance, I'm the Grad Chat lead and a Twitter coordinator. Don't forget to subscribe to Grad Chat on your chosen platform to get notifications about new episodes. And if you feel like it, maybe leave us a rating or a review. Our topic today is changing work environments, and I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Victoria Gray. Victoria just finished her PhD in statistical cancer genetics at Cardiff University and is getting ready to start her research position at the University of Bristol. Her research focuses on genetic variation in patients with various types of cancers. Outside of, this, outside of work, Victoria is a keen singer, performer, and F1 fanatic. She's active in science communication and is passionate about reducing educational inequality and changing the perceptions of scientists through her new project, I'm a Scientist Ant. So welcome, Victoria. We're so pleased to have you on Grad Chat to discuss your experiences. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So I guess to start, how are you? Just to... <laughs> I'm okay. I'm I'm very very okay actually. Um, I've literally only just finished my corrections in the last couple of weeks, so I am finally at the end of the graduate experience and ready to go out into the terrifying new working world as a as a doctor, which feels very strange to be honest. Congratulations! That's an amazing achievement, and you've done it all. <laughs> <laughs> finally, much to I think the joy of everyone around me, um, especially with what's been going on at the moment. So I'm very grateful. But it's all done despite everything that's going on in the world at the moment. Definitely. Um, so, yes, um, as we were talking about before we started, there's definitely been a lot of changes that happened in your life during COVID. And I guess even though we're going to talk about COVID, it could really be applicable to a lot of different situations because some people do obviously it depends on your research but some people do change research working environments during their PhD and things can happen as well and changes happen and yes you never know what's going to happen most definitely like this my experiences stem from from COVID as unfortunately a lot of our experiences do at the moment but it would have been something that I may have been able to do even if COVID hadn't, ha hadn't happened so although I'm a scientist I'm not from a traditional lab lab environment you no longer see me in a lab coat with a pet anymore much to the joy of everyone who knows me because I'm the clumsiest person you'll ever met but I am an informatician so what that essentially means is I answer all my questions using a computer anyway and even before the pandemic hit there was talk about changing working environments for me because of the financial pressures of doing a PhD and here in the UK at least we have a year unfunded at the end of our degree where we are without any sort of financial support so there are already discussions about how my working environment and my life might have changed. But as with the rest of the world, uh, 2020 hit and my life changed very dramatically, very quickly. So I was lucky enough to be in a active research group before COVID hit. I was one of, at the time, three PhD students of which I was the most senior. But we were in the office all the time. Like we didn't have a, a traditional lab a sort of base, but we were in the office and we would have those cool, uh, water cooler moments. We'd have a meeting once a week with my supervisor in person. And then COVID hit and my life probably changed most radically it has at all. I went from being in the office four days a week, three, if it was rainy, a bit hungover, you know, as we all do. I was lucky enough to be able to be doing hybrid working slightly before COVID hit. 
But I made a very difficult decision when we were told we couldn't keep our office because we work in a medical environment to go home um, back from Cardiff in Wales to Leicestershire where my family are based for a few weeks. I will just, you know, we'll ride COVID out. I've got some teaching to do once that's done. I'll only be with you for four to six weeks. I've got my suitcase full of my woolly jumpers and my boots and my laptop and it will all be fine. Like I can do work on a, a kitchen table or a dining room table for a few weeks. And I am still, you know, two years wake, later, we're having this meeting at my dining room table. So nothing went to plan. It was a short term solution that didn't go very well. The funniest thing to start with was, like I said, we March 2020 in the UK at least was very, very cold. I was living in Wales, the rainiest place in the UK. So I came home with full on winter boots and jeans and jumpers. And then April was the warmest April on record. I was totally unprepared for the weather. So right down to those stupid things of like thinking about how to live everyday life was very much on a day by day basis. I had to order t-shirts online because I had nothing to wear at home because I was only going to be home for two weeks. So when people say life changed very quickly for them, my life changed very dramatically. In, in the case of like, I had nothing to wear. I didn't know when I could get back into my old house, for example, because Wales had very different restrictions to here in England. So when people say like COVID was very, very difficult and the way that we thought about work changed very quickly, I'm a prime example of that. I didn't know what my Monday was going to look like on a Saturday because of the way that we worked. And I do realise that I come from a place of privilege because I was able to say, right, I'm going to, to leave where I am and go and live with my parents. And my parents were financially stable enough to say, yeah, come home. We'll support you whilst we ride out what this is. So I, I realised that despite the fact I have my challenges, I do have a lot more privilege than a lot more people in higher education will have because I have the financial and the emotional support from my family. Definitely. And um, I guess my story is, is pretty similar to yours. Not, I'm not doing a PhD, but I did move back in with my parents in the middle of COVID and that has been definitely challenging. <laughs> um, your parents kind of still think of you as the teenager you were when you moved out. <laughs> Yeah, yes, most definitely. So I was able to set up a, a little working environment. So I had my own little office and I have my own bedroom. But I, when I moved back home, I was 26 turning, 20, no, 25 turning 26. I'm nearly 28 now. And I had moved away from home at 18 and, and lived a life away from home. I lived in Wales for five years. I went up and lived in Aberdeen for a year. And you're so used to having your own routine and, and especially doing a PhD and you'll probably find the same with a master's. Nine to five doesn't exist. You, you don't get up at nine. You don't go to sleep. You don't leave at five. Sometimes you'll have days where you do nothing because it's not flowing or you've got something running in the background. Another day you'll be in your office, whether that be the spare room that I was lucky enough to have converted or an actual office. You'll be in there from six in the morning until gone midnight. And them understanding the work-life balance of a, a graduate student, whether that be master's or PhD, was very, very difficult because they both work in environments where they can leave their work when they come home. And I think especially working in the same place that you're sleeping, you know, COVID was so bad and I was so bored that I worked out it was like 12 steps from my bed to my office. Not having that distance made it even more difficult for them to understand that you know, a graduate degree is, it takes up your life. 
whether that be in a traditional sense that you're constantly in a lab or when you're at home, especially in the beginning of COVID, we had nothing else to do. So them understanding and also me understanding how to, to live and work in the same place when, you know, here, at least in the UK, you're only allowed to go out for an hour a day to exercise was very difficult to establish that balance, both in terms of them treating me as a grown up, but me treating myself well as well. So there were a lot of difficult discussions about underwork and overwork and, and the way that I worked as well, because for the first time in seven, eight years, they were seeing what I was doing every day. I was living at home, both in terms of, well, work life, but also how I cooked and the way I kept my bedroom tidy, which you don't imagine discussion we having at 27 is that you've got, you know, shoes in the, in the living room that shouldn't be there. So it, you regress slightly in terms of the way that you think about your relationship with your parents, but also you progress because you, you realise, or at least I did, how lucky I was to be able to say, I can drop my entire life, I can move home, I can save that money and talk to my parents like an adult about the work that I'm doing as well. Mm, absolutely. And I think you hit on a really important point there in that a lot of people did find that any semblance of boundaries that they had were just gone. Oh, it definitely. Um, I, as well, I am, was finishing really the kind of the research portion of my degree around the time that, that COVID hit, which is the kind of most intellectually challenging time in my opinion at least of like this is a deadline I want to hit and then I'll just do writing so my experience watching other graduate students in our our office go through it was that time was very challenging for boundaries anyway but uh, my memories at the beginning of COVID and, and working from home were very much a lot of work and less balance so I think that was something that I had to learn and I'm still learning and I really need to learn that before I properly start my new job of how having a home, um, having a home-based workspace doesn't mean that you are working all the time, which a bit of an overworker even before working from home hit. So it's a challenge that I was already thinking about, but changing that work environment made that even more of a challenge when you're putting pressure on yourself with a PhD deadline as well. Absolutely. And um, I think I very much fell into the same trap I was very much um, overworking. Um, I was doing a lit review when COVID hit. So I very much like dove into that. <laughs> um, and it happens. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it's used as distraction as well. For me, if I was, if I was knee deep in, in doing some analysis, I wasn't watching the entire world burn. So that was in a way having that positive. And I think some of us were very lucky to have what we could see as a positive sort of, sort of outlook in that we could continue to progress with our lives in a way that people in other industries couldn't like a lot of the service industry and a lot of retail workers especially in in non-essential shops in the UK their entire life stopped my life changed because the way that I was working was changing the people I was around was changing you know I wasn't getting to talk science very often and if that's really my only complaint from COVID is that my experience of the end of my PhD wasn't very normal, I realise how lucky I am. So having that kind of focus and that thought of what, whilst the way I work has changed, I haven't had to be able to celebrate or do the kind of rite of passages in the same way that 
people who finished their degree two years before me did. I'm lucky that COVID for, for me has meant becoming a, a doctor. Like I, I became Dr. Gray in the middle of, in the middle of COVID because I still see now as kind of COVID is still happening. Whereas some people's lives stopped totally. So it's very, very rarely that I think many PhD students will say, I'm very lucky that I was able to work but I was very lucky that I was able to work and that kept some semblance of normality in a very abnormal time of everyone's lives, not just, just my own. Absolutely. Um, I think that is very, um, well, again, congratulations on becoming Dr. Gray. <laughs> um, well done. You've done your corrections. You've done everything. Um, oh, but I guess, <laughs> um, I guess to talk about, the boundaries that you did put in how did they come about how what did you find worked or what did you try at least (laughs) so setting boundaries for me again I was very lucky that I did have some external encouragement I would have my mum coming and going it's 10 o'clock why are you still in here you know which did help but for me the boundaries that I started setting the ones that worked were giving myself things to do at set times so I became like everybody in the UK I was like a a character out of a Jane Austen novel and I'd go for a walk so I'd make sure that in the middle of my day normally between half one and half two I would be going for a walk not promenading I wasn't looking for my Mr Darcy but come rain or shine trucking it down with rain boiling hot if I didn't have a meeting set I would go for a walk between that time which helped sort of with my mental health as well being able to get out the house but also that was like everyone knew then well Victoria is not available between this time and that time so we just won't message her or if we will we won't get a response because she'll be out weirdly in in an overworking sense I actually got a part-time job so I was very lucky to do two Christmases in the retail sector I worked for a really wonderful company in the UK called Lakeland who are a homeware shop but that was outside of, of work that was outside of my little home office and I was only doing well I was contracted to do 12 hours a week for two Christmases but that meant that I was like well I've only got these days that I'm at home to do stuff that needs to be done at home so that allowed me to build in a routine stupid things like I had to get up at the same time every morning because I'd have to be at work for 8 45 So you'd get used to the idea of, okay, this is when I I get up in the morning and this is when I go to bed at night, which I think are the first things that tend to go out of a graduate's routine. We tend to extend when we sleep or we extend, you know, you'll stay up to the middle of the night to get something done and then not go up to the midday the next day, which is totally fine if it works for you. But having an idea of like, I get up at this time in the morning and I go to bed at this time at night, all of a sudden kind of pull together a, a structure in my day that early COVID didn't have because days turned into weeks and they all kind of meshed together. So weirdly for me, actually getting another job was a very good way of finding structure in my life. I think that could have been anything, anything that had provided some form of set structure and set timings, whether that be a walk, whether that be a part-time job, whether that be that I took on a lot more of the the cooking in our house, which meant I would stop at two o'clock and be like, right, what are we having for dinner? Because I need to get out the freezer or I need to think about a recipe. So finding kind of um, milestones in your day to put in, which for me was going to work and sell pans to the general public and figuring out what was for dinner. And I have a friend who lives in the US, so I know that I would ring her at night. So it's finding mini milestones. And I think those can be anything from 
your favorite show on TV, making sure you watch that live and you don't catch it up on it. So for me at the moment, The Apprentice, I always watch it on a Thursday night. So I have to be done by that time so I can watch the cringiest TV show in the world. But it's that sense of this is my time that I do things for me and you fit in everything around that. And sometimes that can go the other way. You can sometimes find that you will have filled your day so much with all the other things that you need to do that you think, maybe I've not got enough of my lit review done, or maybe I'm actually avoiding the corrections that I should have been doing. But it's about learning that balance. And some days will be very graduate school work heavy and some days won't. And making peace with that, I think is very important in thinking, okay, I got loads done yesterday, but I've got to do all these self-care things today. Or yesterday had too much structure and I only sat down for an hour and a half at a time. Let's sort of take that back a step and think I need four hours of solid writing or I know I'm in a meeting for four hours. So all that structure needs to, to rearrange. So it's it's structure, but also flexibility with that structure as well. And I think for a lot of us, that's quite difficult. You know, the sort of personalities we have as graduate students we thrive on planning and structure and immovable plans. Whereas COVID for me was a lesson in flexibility and changing work environments, especially because the way that you think about your relationship with work changes when you don't have that physical separation from your, from your office. And sometimes that means you don't have an emotional separation either because you take those frustrations down to, to the dinner table because it's only 12 steps away from, from your office. So. It's a big challenge and it's one that I think we will all continue to learn because I don't think hybrid working is going away anytime soon. But it's been an enjoyable one as well because I've learned a lot about my relationship with work and my relationship with academia in particular, which is important for me as I move forward into whatever my next job might look like. Absolutely. I think that's really great advice and I think that's really great experience to have gotten. Um, We do in academia tend to not focus on the boundaries. Um, There tends to be a sort of a culture of overwork, terrible, but um, it's kind of there and it's nearly like, why are you? I think think it's it's an unwritten rule as well. And you don't realize when you're very, when you were, when I used to call myself a baby academic, when you're a baby academic, you, you don't realize that you sending the odd email at midnight because you've had an idea will become you being actively available on teams at two in the morning that will be you checking your emails when you're out for lunch or on the weekend because your your friends are doing it your PI might be a night worker and especially I think when you're in the very early stages of your career you feel like you have to match the energy that you're being given which is I was a day worker I always was but my I had a postdoc who worked in our group for a little while. He was a night worker. But I still felt that despite the fact I had been online all day and all times during the day, if he'd email me at night, I would feel a pressure to reply to that immediately. Which I think is some of the negatives of changing to a, a home working environment is that we are now more reachable than we ever were before. We've got Zoom, we've got Teams, we've got Slack, you've got constant emails, you've got, oh, let's just have a quick quick meeting and that that immediacy of communication has made setting boundaries quite difficult but by just saying and it's it's silly things it's I set a very important boundary is I wrote a a new email signature in the beginning of COVID which essentially said 
my working hours may not be your working hours. Do not feel the need to reply to this email immediately. And by setting that boundaries to other people, they will then begin to understand that you might be setting the same boundaries to them. And especially for me, when I was working part-time, I wasn't going to be able to answer my emails immediately because I wasn't physically attached to my laptop. So that's been a lesson to learn and unlearn in COVID is that boundary setting is important, not only for your sort of mental health and your benefit, but it will help kind of not change the culture, but it might at least give people the belief that they can kind of breathe out a little bit and you might send them a very complicated question or you might say, oh, I'm thinking about doing this and I, I'd love your opinion. But if by just by putting that little message at the bottom, there's kind of an unwritten rule of like, but if you're busy, this can wait. And I will actually now say, especially if, if this isn't urgent, give, you know, just reply when you can. And that kind of kindness to yourself and that kindness to others, I think is the most important thing that COVID could bring is an understanding that, you know, life is short, work is really important. I, I love my job. I, I, you, know, you don't do a PhD if you don't love what you do and you don't continue in, in, in research if you don't love your job. And I, I, you know, I'm the proudest I've ever been at the moment because my whole life has been centered around my work and, and you know, my PhD. But learning that also you have value away from that and by taking a step back from that, does it make you any worse of an academic or does it make you any worse of a graduate student or any worse of whatever you do, I think will actually make a lot of it a lot more productive as well. Absolutely. And is this where, um, I know this is not related to working environments, but is this where your um, movement of I'm a scientist and has come from? Yes. So I am, I was very lucky in COVID. I was looking for a lot of things to do to give my life meaning which sounds very lofty but you know we were all kind of stuck in inside not really knowing what our, our life was about and I was very lucky to be um, invited to do a role in creation work um, on another platform uh, at Real Scientists on Twitter and I was kind of spending a lot of my time thinking about how I was going to talk about who I was my journey you know what was interesting and I realized that I was going to be spending, you get seven days to do this thing. I was going to be spending six of those days talking really technically about cancer research and, and coding and all the things that I thought were exciting. But to an outsider, you might think, oh God, is that all she does? Is that, you know, she talks about statistics all the time. She talks about cancer, it's really dull, it's really dreary, blah, you know. And I was speaking to my mum actually, and she's like, but that's like, your job is amazing and we are very proud of you for your job, but you are so much more interesting outside of work. And I and a lot of the times when I was most stressed, I would put value on work and not on everything else I would do. And she's like, well, what about you talk about, you know, you used to sing, I was a competitive dancer, I'm, I'm a feminist and this and that and the other. She's like, you, if you kind of focus your life too much on your value of a scientist or as a PhD student or a cancer researcher, whatever you want to call yourself, the minute that something goes wrong in work, you fall apart because you think that that's the entire culmination of your life. And understanding the way that actually everything else about you is also equally interesting helps to reframe, I think, the way that as academics, we think about ourselves, but also how the public thinks of us. Because a lot of times at work, especially in my part-time job, um, people will be very intimidated by me because they hear the word scientist and it still conjures up, I think, images of old white man in lab coat, very intimidating, serious, frowny face. And 
I get a lot as well, especially out in the real world. You don't look like a scientist or you don't sound like a scientist or you don't talk like a scientist. Or, And I think understanding that scientists are people too, especially in the way that we watched certain scientists be dealt by the public as a result of their, their publications in COVID might change the way that we think about science as an industry as well. But really it came from the idea that I sound very boring on paper if I just talk about the things I do at work. And I am, you know, I'm so much more than that. I am, I'm still a massive nerd, but I'm a nerd about different things as well. So the movement really came from the idea that scientists are people too. And what cool things do we care about outside of science? Because the fact that I, I love music impacts the way that I work as a scientist because I, I, I use music in the way that I write up. I think about things in a very rhythmical manner. I find patterns in my coding, but the fact that I love music also makes me an interesting person, scientist or not. So kind of thinking about us as, as, as people, and I like the word and, I'm a scientist and, so I'm a scientist and I'm this and I'm that, because it takes our focus away from finding value in just what we do in an academic output and think more about the interesting things that make us I'm Victoria first, I am Dr. Gray second. That's always the way I've seen myself. I was uh, Victoria, you know, the rugby fan, the F1 fan, the dancer before I was Victoria, the very stressed PhD student. And keeping that in my mind was very important, especially when, when life got very, very tough in the middle of the pandemic. And identifying myself as a scientist and reminds me of all the amazing things that I do outside of work. And also I've learned so much about so many people that I admire and what they are passionate about outside of work, which makes their work even more interesting because you think, how do you do all this along, alongside this incredible academic career you have? And I actually have more respect for very, very, who I believe were serious people because of this movement that I started. You know, I found out because you know, I'm a nerd that there are current Winter Olympians who hold science degrees who are out, you know, in uh, China right now competing at the highest level. And there's one, a speed skater in the US who is currently working on a third science degree at the same time. And it just totally reframes the way that my relationship with science works as they're more connected now. And I feel myself being more rounded because of that. But also in typical overworking style, it's given me something else to work on at the same time. Absolutely. I'm also guilty of doing, loading my plate with non-work work. work. Yep. <laughs> and then being like, I had a break. I didn't do my work, but I'm changing that. It's it's a slow process. But um, that is a fantastic movement. And I absolutely love it. Um, because it's it's just so academia and the education system, the way it's sort of set up, it puts all validation into your academic achievements and, and productivity yeah and it's not healthy it will really mess with your mental health if you keep that um, perspective up and also just in general it's okay to have hobbies it's okay to have interests it's okay to have things outside of science <laughs> And they don't make you any less professional. And I think a lot of the times the focus on like, this is your professional persona and this is your 
you're away from academia persona that that doesn't work for me I, I am the same person I run one Twitter account which could be talking one minute about a paper I published it could be complaining about the results of a rugby match the second because that's who I am and and I think that makes me more interesting but also I think in terms of changing work environments has, has helped me focus on I am still Victoria whether I am in my office whether I am in the dining room whether I am you know I am sitting watching a, a quiz show and doing very terribly at it. I am no worse of a scientist because of that. So that was a, a, a project that came out of working from home. I don't think it would have happened without it because I don't think I'd have sat back and assessed my relationship with work quite so much if I had still been in, in a traditional office environment because I think this sort of COVID working from home has, has forced a lot of us to, to step back and assess our relationships with work and our relationship with ourselves as, as workers as well. So it has been a, a really productive thing to come out of COVID and come out of working from home. And then also, like we said, it's, a, it's another thing to add to my plate, which is, I think, another thing we have to address is being at home means that we take on other side projects and don't realise actually in a regular schedule you would be doing those in the office and you might realize that oh you know I, I sat in my office and spent two hours doing a bit of teaching that I enjoy but that's two hours extra work on my day because you're doing it at home those extra hours and those extra 15 minutes and I'll just sure I'll, I will I'll schedule a meeting with you to talk about a side project or or let's talk about a collaboration or We'll, we'll catch up to bounce ideas over coffee. Well, those are all still working obligations, but because you're not at work, you don't perhaps see that in the same way that you would in a traditional office environment. So it's understanding that, yes, you can take a break from work, but also some of the other things you're doing are, are still work and academia sometimes does thrive on unpaid labor. Not always, I, I am very lucky to be to working people who are willing to and able to pay but that relationship with side projects and working as well is something that I think we all have to consider whether we are working from home or if we do back, go back into a more traditional lab-based or, you know, institution-based working system in the future. Absolutely. I think that's a very, very important point and something we need to emphasise. So write that down, <laughs> everyone that's listening. <laughs> I need to write it down as well. This is very much do as I say, not as I do. You know, these are all one, very wonderful ideas. And, you know, you can sit and think about them, but actually doing something about them, I think, is sometimes more challenging, especially early on in your career. But also sometimes I, I enjoy what I do and I, I want to keep doing it. But you then can't, you can't be surprised that you're tired if you're doing all these extra things as well. So it's, it's I think, balance and, and working from home particularly it changes the perception of balance, but it also, I think a lot of the time forces you to address it, whether that be personally or whether because your mum is saying, you know, you've been in this office for 12 hours now, or you've not sat in your office at all today, why not? So it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. And like I said, I am very lucky that the main challenges of COVID for me have been reassessing the way I, I think about work and and being a little bit sad that my milestones for the big achievements didn't happen in the same way that some of my friends did who were a bit further on in their academic careers than I did. So I can sit here and I can be very reflective of my experience, but I'm also very aware that it was a very positive experience compared to a lot of other people. And I do come from a place of privilege a lot of the time as well. So reflective, 
a little bit moany, but also very grateful that, that my family situation, my financial situation, number of other demographic things, they, they do put me at an advantage over a lot of other people going through similar experiences to me. That's great. That's really awesome. Um, and um, I guess we are nearly running out of time. So is there anything that you want to bring in before we finish? No, I think that that's, I've kind of really gone over everything I, I, was, I was thinking about talking about today. The, the big thing for me has always been self-reflection and a lot of what I have done has been as a result of COVID and I've been forced into those moments of self-reflection because, you know, you could literally couldn't do anything else or a change totally in the way that we think about work happened because it was in a very different place. But I think taking those moments to pause for self-reflection need to be something I integrate into my life a bit more. And I'm about to go through the most rapid changing and working environment ever. I, I literally start my postdoc tomorrow. So um, it's very much the moment of adapting, understanding that change is a, is a massive part of life, but also it's one that is gonna happen whether you're on board with it or not. So you need to be able to get on board with it and go with it because you know these six weeks that COVID were gonna happen, they happened for two years. And if I hadn't been on board at the start, I'm not sure I'd have succeeded in the way that I, I did. Um, whether that be because I made the right decisions in the beginning or I made the wrong decisions in the beginning, you know, only coming home with, with, with jumpers and boots or, or thinking that we were only going to be working at home for six weeks. So I didn't bring my, you know, didn't bring half my notes with me. All those decisions are going to happen and being flexible enough to kind of go with the flow is so important because I think these changes are going to continue to happen because we're going to be going in and out of hybrid working our attitude to working environments are going to change. I think, you know, there's research that says a lot of people don't want to go back into the office full time. So I think our relationship with work and the way that we think about work, both in terms of in academia and also in other more industry focused sort of areas is going to continue to change. So it's happening. We just need to be, be there, there for it, but aware of the impact it's having on us as well because a lot of this stuff I didn't realize until massively after the fact. Oh, so that's why I felt terrible. Or, oh yeah, that, that, that might explain that. So change is gonna happen. Do as much as you can to be involved in the process, but if not, enjoy the ride because despite my, my journey being a little bit less conventional and my home office being a little bit less conventional than, than most people who have gone through a PhD experience, which is not conventional in itself, I still got to the end. I still made it. I, you know, have regrets about choices I made. I'm, I'm sad about the certain things that I couldn't do because of the massive changes that the entire world was going through. But life continues and you just have to keep living it and you will get there. Whether that be that you you realise that a PhD isn't, isn't for you or academia or a graduate degree isn't for you because of a rapid change or you realise actually I can push through this and I can get to the end and I might be exhausted and I, I, I might have finished my PhD on my, you know, in the spare bedroom of my parents have, but I still did it. And just because I didn't get to do the same things as everyone else, I didn't get to have the formal viva in, in the building or the party afterwards or to hold up my, um, my um, certificate or my submission in person doesn't make what I did any less valid and doesn't make my journey any different. It 
in terms of what I achieved. It's just the way that I experienced it that was different. Absolutely. I think that is a fantastic note to end on. So um, thank you so much, Victoria, for being a guest, amazing guest. Um, this has been Grad Chat by PhD Balance. Our episodes are now posted simultaneously on our podcast and YouTube channel Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. To find our podcast episodes, just search Grad Chat on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can connect with PhD Balance on our website at phdbalance.com or on our social media, Twitter and Instagram at phd underscore balance. Until next time, goodbye and take care of yourself.